Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Honest Soul Conversations podcast, the motherhood series. We're in a world full of people trying to paint a perfect picture. We keep it real with you because let's face it, being a mom is the hardest yet least acknowledged job there is. And someone needs to remind you how amazing you're doing. So whether you're a new mom, a seasoned mom, an expecting mom, a stepmom, if you consider yourself a mom in any way, this podcast is for you. But it's not to provide you the best tips in parenting, but to acknowledge, celebrate, and honor all that you go through in this crazy, beautiful journey. My name is Maria, and I'll be your host. So go ahead, reheat your coffee, come back and hit play when you're ready, and enjoy some new time. Because let's face it, if anyone deserves a break, it's you. Welcome back to the Honest Soul Conversations podcast. It's been quite a while since our last show. More than a few weeks have gone by and there have been several reasons for that. I obviously had wanted to put out another podcast episode sooner. Um, However, I was preparing for the birth of my third son and so things were a little hectic late October, early November and then I gave birth to my third son on November 10th and was expecting to be home a few days later and, you know, hopefully get another podcast episode out. However, we had some complications that prevented us from coming home for another two weeks or close to it, I should say. I did actually... I'll record an episode, this same episode actually, about a week ago. However, I decided to re-record because I shared an emotional story with you and I was crying through the whole thing. And so when I went back to listen to it, I realized there was just a lot of editing that I would have to do, not to take out all my tears, but a lot of sniffles here and there. And I thought it would be a little distracting. So I decided to scratch that and re-record it. So I wanted to share with you the story of what happened after my son was born. Because it was a huge event in my life and in my husband's life and for our whole family. And I think it's worth telling because it's a story of strength, courage. Um, It brings awareness to what other families might be going through if they're going through something similar. It shows, and not to toot my own horn, but a mother's selflessness and, you know, a lot of appreciation for the simple things in life, the things that really matter, really came through during this time. So I think it's a really good story to tell. So my son was born on November 10th and I had a a scheduled cesarean and everything went well. On the second day, he went in for, you know, the nurses took him in for his 24-hour tests, normal tests that they run for all babies. And the nurse came back without him and said to my husband and I that he had failed one of his tests. There's a test that they do for congenital heart defects and they put a pulse ox on their hand and their foot and they're testing to see about uh, the oxygen levels in the blood, making sure the blood is flowing right through the body. And if there is a difference, a variant between the 
top half of the body and the lower half of the body that signals that something is off. So anyway, he had failed this test. So they came back and told us that he failed this test and that they need to do an echocardiogram. So right away, we were very nervous, and this is not something we were used to. In the past, we have been blessed with having no issues with our two older kids, and so never experienced anything like this. Hours passed, and well, actually, they brought him back, and then they said, okay, we're going to take him back again for an echo because they weren't ready. And when they were ready for the echocardiogram, they took him in and hours did pass. And we were getting pretty nervous, wondering where he was. We had family who had come in to visit and he wasn't in the room with us. And finally, I called the nurse and I said, you know, where is he? Is he coming back? What are the results of the echo? And she said to me, oh, yeah, the pediatrician and the cardiologist are coming now to talk to you. They should be there any minute. So right away, that signaled a red flag for me because in my head, if everything was fine, just the pediatrician would come down or even just the nurse would come and say, okay, everything's good. He's good to go. Um, not good to go, but you know, he's, he's good to, you know, he passed his test or the results of the echo were normal, you know, we're, we're, everything's okay. But because she said the cardiologist was coming too, I knew in my gut that that was not that something was wrong because why would she come to talk to us if nothing was wrong? And so then, you know, my husband and I were pacing and we had some family in the room with us, my in-laws, and then my mother had shown up and, you know, I, I couldn't wait any longer. So I actually went out to find them. Um, and they were coming down the hallway to, to talk to us. And so they came in the room and, the cardiologist introduced herself and shared with us that the results of the echo were in and that he had something called a coarctation of the aorta. Uh, from what they had saw at this point in time, there was this narrowing of the aorta where it would, was hard for the blood to flow through normally. And so he would need to go to the NICU that day and then he would need to be transferred to CHOP and for anybody who doesn't know what CHOP is, it's um, Children's Hospital in uh, Philadelphia. And so he would need to be transferred to CHOP uh, where he would receive surgery within a few days. Um, and so this was really alarming for us. This is really scary for us to hear. I mean, this baby is two days old, not even two days old. And we are being told that there's a problem with his heart and he's going to require surgery and he's got to go. So naturally, you know, it, we were, you know, it was a very, it was very scary to hear this and, um, everything had taken a different turn than what we had anticipated, expected. They moved my son to, he didn't even bring him back to the room. They took him straight to the, the NICU and, um, then they told me I wasn't able to go to the NICU until I was discharged. And I hadn't even thought about that. Like here I am, you know, 24 hours out of surgery myself, right? Um, for anybody who doesn't know, for a C-section, they cut through seven layers of your skin. And they are moving around <laughs> different organs in there and doing all kinds of... It, it, it's, it's pretty intense. I don't think uh, that gets enough attention. But it's a major surgery, a major abdominal surgery. And so I hadn't even thought about myself like oh you need to get discharged right and so I was just thinking okay we're going this is what we're doing so anyway um there were like 
if you want, we can try and push for you to get discharged. We'll, we'll talk to the doctor, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, a hundred percent, like there's no, I'm going, whether you want me to go or not, I'm leaving. So discharge me. And so they worked to get me discharged and they did. And then we went to the NICU. Um, and then that night, the CHOP transport team came and picked him up and they they wouldn't let me in the ambulance because I had just had major surgery and they said it was too bumpy. So my husband and I met them down at CHOP and uh, we got there, I think it was around 11 o'clock, close to midnight. And uh, they have him in the CICU, which is Cardiac Intensive Care Unit. And so we walk in this room and there are four babies on each corner of the room on these little beds with all types of wires hooked into them. You know, my son, not so many yet. Uh, but when I walk in, you know, if you're not used to that, you don't really know what you're, you're not prepared to, to see this. It's quite alarming. Um, it breaks your heart. It really does. So I walk in and I just turn to the left and I see this poor baby, six months old with all kinds of tubes and wires coming out of him, And he's looking at me and I just, it was very hard to see. And so we go over, we see my son who's in the far corner and talk to the nurses and, and whatnot. And they say, okay, he's stable. He's good. He's in good hands. We're going to run a bunch of tests on him in the morning and uh, we're going to see what we have to do. So, you know, they said, go rest and come back in the morning and we promise you he'll be okay till then. He's stable. He's on the medicine. We're watching him. And the wonderful thing, I mean, I don't know who's familiar with CHOP, but they have, they were amazing. Every single person from the people at the transport team, the people who, you know, just the, the guards, the, the people at the front desk, the, every single nurse and every single person we came in contact with was just amazing and made you feel reassured that your child was in good hands but they the you know at in the CICU there the, every every child has their own nurse and they're basically sitting there the whole time watching them attending to their every need helping each other out if you know because there's like I said there are kids hooked up to every which machine and sometimes there's beeps that go off and you can tell just from being there which beeps are more alarming than others because the nurse is all you know, there's this one particular one that if this alarm goes off, every nurse is looking over and offering their assistance with that one child to that, you know, so everyone's helping each other out. Um, anyway, so we were able to get a hotel room and um, the next day we uh, get to the hospital bright and early and the doctor tells us that the tests you know they did their own testing there and you know initially when we were when we were first informed that he would need surgery we were told they'd probably have to go through the side but that chop would have to make their own assessment on what his needs would be when he gets there so anyway when we talked to one of the doctors at chop they inform us that it's actually not just the side part of his aorta that is narrow because um, it's actually the entire aorta and it's all narrow, too narrow. And so uh, this would be a little bit different of a procedure. They would need to go through his front and they would need to put him on because they need to go the way that they're going and they need to do where the po portion of the order that was too narrow they need to patch it and so they would need to go through the front put him on a bypass machine which 
basically stops his heart and reroutes the blood flow to the rest of his body, right? To his brain, to his organs, to everything, uh, to keep things going, but stops his heart in the process so that they can fix this piece of his aorta. And so this is a pretty invasive surgery now. It's technically open heart surgery. And it's a whole bunch of different risks now. And so this was obviously not what we wanted to hear. And so we just, we were broken at this. um, Because this is a lot scarier than we had hoped for. And so then eventually, you know, we, we... we talked to, you know, we talked to so many people there, but the, the surgeon came and talked to us and really just informed us on what was going on, what would be needed, what the risks were, everything. And, you know, he was wonderful, really wonderful guy. And uh, assured us that, you know, he was in good hands, but also explained that, you know, you know, this could happen. They could nick this vocal cord thing and there this you know there could be this this and this there's a bunch of different things that can happen when they do this type of procedure and these were the risks and he wanted to make sure we were okay with that and I said to him well what are what is the risks if we don't do this and he said you know he didn't not in these words but he said well basically he did he'd say um, the risks of him not doing it is there's a hundred percent chance that his life will be cut short I can't say exactly when, you know, it could be, you know, it might not be, you know, in the next couple of days, but most babies, you know, don't really um, grow too much with this, with this issue. So there was a hundred percent chance that he would die. And so that, you know, I said, okay, well then we don't have an option. So we have to take these risks then because there is no option here. There's no option to not get this done. This is our only option is to take these risks of all these things happening to him, him not making it through surgery, you know, God forbid. I mean, obviously there was a, the the surgeon was saying there's a small risk for that, but you know, you're putting your, you're putting your child in the hands of somebody else, somebody you don't even know. And that's a really, really scary thing. Um, and so, you know, we had no we had no choice. This is what we had to do. And recovery time, it depends on the first 24 to 48 hours after surgery. Uh, that would tell a lot. There was a chance that during surgery, if there's a lot of swelling, when it's all over, they would have to keep his chest open and they put a patch over it until the swelling goes away. And then 28 to 48 hours later, they go back and patch him and, and stitch him up. There was a whole bunch of different things that could impact uh, impact his recovery, whether or not he would get have seizures afterwards. Um, they test him for that. He wears, wears his hat afterwards for a while that, uh, you know, monitors for seizures. So anyway, it could be, you know, two weeks in the hospital. It could be, you know, uh, it, it could be a, a variation of things depending on his recovery. It could be a month. We didn't know really what to expect. And the surgeon said, you know, I'm really pushing for, um, you know, I'm really pushing for tomorrow to get him into surgery. But, you know, there's a lot of kids here at CHOP that are not stable and he's stable right now. So they take priority, but we'll we'll see what we can do. So if we can't get it for tomorrow, we can get it for Tuesday. So uh, eventually, you know, obviously he didn't get in the next day for surgery, but he was able to get in for the Tuesday slot and, um, it was uh, 
probably the scariest day of our life. We had a um, a chaplain come and say a prayer over him. We had literally everybody we know saying prayers and thinking about him and sending positive vibes our way. Um, the surgery would take about six hours from start to finish from the time they took him from the room to the time they brought him back. Um, the anesthesiologist came and talked with us. And then right before surgery, they have you walk... They give you the option. Obviously, we took the option of walking your child down to the OR. So uh, you are with the anesthesiologist and um, their team and the nurse, and you walk your child down to the OR, and the OR is far. (laughs) It's not close. So it's a long walk down to the OR, and they're on the little table. And then before you, you know, if when as soon as you get to the OR, you know, you don't go in with them they, you know, allow you to say goodbye. And I have to say that walk and that whole process was the hardest thing for my husband and I. I don't think we've ever experienced anything harder than that because, and I apologize for getting choked up, but it was a really, probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. Walking him down and giving him a hug and a kiss and saying goodbye to him and not knowing what I was going to be. Just knowing that he had to go in through this, four days old, go into this terrible, you know, really hard surgery and and giving him to these anesthesiologists at such a young age. I mean, I can imagine doing that at any point in your child's life is hard. But being four days old and giving him up to the surgeon and not knowing what the outcome is going to be was just the scariest thing. Anyway, so we did that. And then my family and um, our my brother-in-law were there and they sat with us for the six hours. And, you know, we kept everybody else, all our other family and friends. We kept them updated because the nurse would call me every hour and just give me a quick update on what was happening throughout the surgery. Um, you know, the, they started this process. They started working on this, yada, yada. So... For the next six hours, also my husband's uh, work friends were came and um, visited for a little bit with us as well, uh, which was nice. So anyway, we sat through those six hours of hell. <laughs> and when that was all over, the nurse called me and said, everything went well. Uh, the, the Everything's done. He's out of surgery. They did not need to keep his chest open. Thankfully, thank God, they were able to close his chest because there wasn't a lot, too much of swelling or anything. And uh, the doctor's going to come, the the surgeon's going to come in and talk to you. Um, And then the surgeon came in and he said everything went as well as he could expect. And he was really happy with how things went. Talked to us about... um, what the next 24 to 48 hours would look like. It went into great detail on exactly what he did, what to expect next, talked to us about how he should not have any issues with this down the road. You know, um, obviously he can't make any promises, but, you know, uh, you know, and if he did, this is what we would expect and, and whatnot. My, my son does have two other abnormal um, valves, slightly abnormal valves, but everything is working with the functioning of his heart well, so no one's worried about that at this point. Um, and so he's doing really well. He did really well in surgery and, um, yeah, came and gave us some really great news. 
Um, and we, my, you know, we could finally breathe again. It was like this weight had been lifted off our shoulders. Obviously, we still had the whole road of recovery to go, but a huge weight had been lifted off of our shoulders. And, you know, we just hugged the, we hugged the surgeon. We don't, I don't know how we felt about it, but, you know, you know, he said, this is why I wake up in the morning. So in our family, you know, our families were all very happy and excited to hear that everything had went well. Um, and then we would be able to see him in about an hour or so. Um, and my husband and I knew when we were going to see him, you know, that night that we, we were, we were prepared, we were told that he would have a lot of things hooked up to him. He would have the chest tube coming out of his chest. He'd have a wound vac or a skin vac, they call it, on his on the incision itself. He'd have monitors hooked up to all different parts of him. He'd have things connected to his head to test for seizures. So we, we knew that we would be walking into a uh, not a good site. And let me tell you, even though I was prepared, I was not prepared for what I saw because you see your, you know, anybody you see on that, whether it be not your child or not, whether it be an adult hooked up to that many wires, it's a, it's a scary thing. But when it's your baby and it's your infant and he's just days old and he has so many cords, so many wires, so many things connected to him, it's, it's scary. It's sad. Um, but he was okay. And little by little, um, as the days passed, he was able to get certain things taken off. And every day a new wire was coming off of him. And by the end of that week, he was able to get out of the NICU. He had gotten most of the wires and most of the tubes off. There was still uh, a few of them that were still on and would be on for the course of his hospital stay. But he was able to leave the NICU or the CICU. And he was able to go to a step-down unit in the cardiac care unit. We were the last one in that cardiac intensive care in his room and the first ones to leave. So we were definitely grateful that he, his situation wasn't as bad, but our hearts really hurt for the other families that we had seen in there with their children who had had all different types of heart issues. And so our heart really goes out to those people. Um, and then we went to, we spent, so we spent six days in the CICU. Uh, there was one day in the, in the regular hospital the day he was born. The second day he was born, he was transferred to CHOP. He spent six days in the CICU and then went to the step-down unit where he spent the next four days. Um, uh, he was put on a feeding tube because his feeding wasn't as good as they, his intake wasn't as good as they would have liked, but he was quickly taken off of that about a day and a half later, um, because he picked, things picked up for him and he was able to start eating much more. And we were able to leave miraculously, which we had not anticipated, uh, exactly seven days after the surgery, we were able to leave the hospital, which was like in our minds, a miracle. <laughs> um, but he, he, they had, he had done really well. And they said, let's get him out of here. So we were able to come home right in time for Thanksgiving, um, be with our other children, um, spend Thanksgiving together as a family, which was wonderful. Um, and you don't realize, you know, how hard it is to, it was so hard. Not only this whole experience was hard with my son who was just born, but being away from our other two was really hard on my husband and I. Um, we had never been away from them for that long. Uh, we hadn't even really FaceTimed them because 
our youngest would get upset when he would see us on FaceTime. And, um, you know, so we really missed them too. And, you know, they didn't really understand what was going on. My my oldest, we were able to explain a little bit to him and he kind of got it. Um, but like, you know, the youngest one has no clue what's going on. He just knows that mommy and daddy are not there. Um, so it broke our hearts to be away from them too. So to be together all together again was so, so wonderful. And to be together for Thanksgiving. And again, we were so appreciative for everyone at CHOP. Um, but our hearts really go out to people that are there during the holidays that don't get to go home, that have to watch their kids on these machines for long term. I mean, it's it's awful. Um, or the those who have to be away from their families and far away because people come from all over the world to go to CHOP. So our hearts go out to them. And I share this story, again, for multiple reasons. This changed me, how I think about things, my husband, how we think about things. Um, we had to have strength we didn't know we had at the time, right? And my dad said this after all was said and done that day after surgery. Um, and I said, wow, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. My dad said, you don't know how strong you are until strong is the only option you have. And I think that's Bob Marley. Is uh, I think that's a quote from Bob Marley. And my dad could say this because he survived pancreatic cancer. So he's a very, very strong man. But he's right. You don't know how strong until it's the only option you have. When you have no other choice but to be strong, that is when you realize, man, uh, that was, I am strong for that. And my child is so, so strong. That baby, you know, I never forget this. The doctor, the, the surgeon said to us, when he was talking about the upcoming surgery, he said, for me, it's just an everyday, it's it's an ordinary day for me. It's an ordinary day for me and my team. He goes, it's a huge day for you guys. And for him, it's the biggest day of his life. But he won't remember it. You'll carry it with you and you'll carry it for him, but he won't remember it. But it was, it was the biggest day of that baby's life. Of this four <laughs> little days of his life, it was his biggest day where he fought for his life. And he did an amazing job. And what a strong, strong little boy. And, you know, I, I not to toot our own horns, but my husband and I were very strong for being able to persevere through that and to manage that. Again, I wanted to bring awareness because, you know, my son has, well, had, I mean, he still does have in certain areas, but he had a congenital heart defect. And I didn't realize how common this was. It wasn't until... I asked people for prayers, did so many people reached out and said, I know someone who had heart surgery or, you know, my kid had heart surgery at CHOP when they were this age or, you know, I had heart surgery um, when I was a few days old or, you know, this, that. And everyone was coming out and telling us and I was like, whoa, I had no idea how common this was, how, you know, there's different variations, different things going on with different kids, but so many kids are going through this. So many families are going through this and not everybody is as lucky. There are people who are lucky. I, I do know somebody whose child had a um, heart transplant. I mean, how much that's way more scary than what, what we were, went through and he's doing well. And, you know, my heart goes out to her and her family for their strength and their courage and everything they did for their son um, who thankfully is is doing well today. I know somebody who uh, whose 
baby was in the hospital uh, after birth and had uh, one issue that ended up taking the baby's life when the baby was um, about three months old, I think. And she never got to bring her baby home and have that life. And, you know, my heart goes out to her and and her family and everything they went through. And I mean, you know, there's nothing I could say to make that situation better. I, I can't even imagine the pain. I really can't. And my heart goes out to, to them. But there are so many people going through this, so many people who are going to be in the hospital. And it's not even just for heart issues. I mean, there are kids with cancer and all different types of issues. Kids who are not going to be home for the holidays. Families who are not going to be home for the holidays. And, you know, you just sometimes you just take for granted that your kid is going to come out healthy and that everything's going to be okay. And you're going to leave that hospital with your kid when you're discharged. And let me tell you, that alone, I mean, I know there are kids in the NICU who don't come home because they are, um, you know, premature and whatnot, but you don't realize how lucky you are when you get to leave the hospital a couple days after birth with your baby in your arms. I can't tell you that was one of the most painful things is walking out of that hospital without my child. Like, it's just unnatural, and it feels bad, and it feels wrong, and it, it's sad. It's just a sad thing, and so it was very depressing. Um, but thankfully, we were able to eventually leave when he was uh, 11 days eleven days old, I think. Yeah, 11 or 12 days old, we were able to leave the hospital. So uh, not everybody's so lucky, but we were blessed. And um, God answer our prayers. And one of the things you know, that I wanted to share with everyone too, was just the amount of support we received was unbelievable. Um, I put it up on Facebook because I wanted people to pray for him. Um, I wanted him to get as many prayers and as many well wishes as he could. I wanted all the positive vibes and everything sent our way. And we did get just that. Who we got people from every, I mean, people I hadn't talked to in years reached out and offered their support. People that I used to work with offered their support. People that I, you know, my husband, our our families, our friends. uh, I mean, the amount of support we received from people was unbelievable and was really, really touching. Our friends did whatever they could to help. They stayed connected. They, you know, people, our families, everybody who stayed connected with us was asking for updates, sending prayers, love, everything they could. Um, you know, some people even sent us like Uber gift cards. My, my work, you know, family was super supportive and people sent us things to, to help out. I had a a work friend who lived in the area, lives in the area and was so wonderful and went out and bought me things like for postnatal care to help me heal, um, which I'll get into a little bit more in a, in a few minutes um, about that experience. But the, just the amount of love and support we received from everyone around us was amazing. And I don't even know what I can say or do to show my appreciation for that. Um you know, it brought us to tears. It really did. And it, it, it still does. And I don't know how I could repay people for their outpouring of love and support and prayers. Um, 
even people I don't know or didn't, you know, I've never met or were so invested in this. And um, again, I just, it's just amazing that sometimes you think about things and you think, oh, you know, people don't care. Nobody cares, this and that. But people do. When you give them the opportunity to show up for you, oh my God. I mean, they really do. And like I said, I, I don't even know how to properly repay people for the love and support we received. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, another thing I wanted to talk about, and I, I talked a little bit, you know, I mentioned this a mother's selflessness and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not trying to brag. It's not something I want to brag about, to be honest with you, but it just goes to show you, you know, we as moms are so selfless. We would do anything for our kids and we put ourselves in the back burner. And it's not always the best thing, right? Because you need to take care of yourself. But sometimes when push comes to shove and your child needs you, it doesn't matter what you need anymore, right? It matters what your child needs. So again, as I mentioned, um, I had a C-section. I got discharged the next day, which is pretty unheard of getting discharged. You don't get discharged from a C-section the next day. I, I, I've, I've never experienced that. And this was my third C-section. And you don't get discharged because again, it's a major surgery and it's hard to walk. It's hard to move. You typically have a lot of different things that you're hooked up to and you need to, you know, come off of and you need to heal, right? Yourself. Um, and so obviously the next day I was up and pacing around because I could not relax when my, I heard my child was going in for an echocardiogram at two days old. Um, and then when we found out that he had to go to the NICU and he was going to chop, you know, that was it for me. I was leaving. I was going to chop with him that night. Uh, if I could have went in the ambulance, I would have rode with him, um, when I got discharged, I got discharged really quick. The nurse there didn't, she gave me like two extra strength, like Tylenols to go and, and Motrin's to go home with, but that was about it. And I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain for days because I was not able to rest. Typically you come home from a C-section and you rest. You're sitting on the couch. People are helping you. Um, but I, that was not possible because my kid was in the hospital and we needed to get where we needed to go and we needed to be there with him and there was no resting. And so I was in a ton of pain without medication. Thankfully, my doctor was uh, on vacation, but he was able to get somebody to prescribe me medication. However, then the pharmacy nearby didn't have that medication. And so by the time they had it, they called me a week later and I didn't need it anymore. Um, however, we were walking around. I was on my feet way more than I should have. The day after the surgery and my, my legs, you know, typically they do swell up after this kind of thing. And they were very, very swollen. The day after the surgery, my, my incision was bleeding. It had been bleeding for a few days, but it wasn't bad. I had my husband look at my incision the day after the surgery and he thought it looked a little funky. So he said, we should, I he said, you should call your doctor. I called my doctor. My doctor wanted me to get it checked. I wasn't going back home. So we went to the hospital next door of CHOP and 
um, they took me in and they looked at it and they said, it looks okay. Um, but your blood pressure is high. It's not really, really high, but it's high and uh, high enough where we want to keep you for a little while. We want to run some blood tests. Now to me, it made complete sense. I don't normally have high blood pressure, but I mean, my son uh, with the stress, the amount of stress I went through the couple of days before and was still going through, of course I had high blood pressure. In fact, I had high blood pressure sitting there in the house, sitting there in that hospital because I was so eager to get back to my son and be with him. And, you know, to me, it was like, he just recovered from major heart surgery. And here I am in another hospital sitting here when I should be there with him. So they put me on Lasix uh, for the next couple days. They, I mean, they were wonderful. They gave me a blood pressure monitor and I had to monitor my blood pressure for the next couple days. They, they were very helpful and I was able to leave a couple of hours later and go back to my son. A couple days later, I ended up getting mastitis. For anybody who doesn't know what mastitis is, it's when your milk supply comes in and gets clogged and then infected. And so I had to get medicine for that. Also, I had two different rashes. One was from the medication I was on when uh, for surgery. The other was on my back and I had thought it was the same thing, but it didn't go away when the other one went away. And so when I went to my OBGYN and had him look at it, he said, you need to go to a dermatologist. I went to a dermatologist and they told me I had shingles, which comes out from stress. It was a not a full-blown case of shingles, just a annoying patch on my back, but shingles nonetheless. And so it was a rough time for me recovering from a major abdominal surgery, walking around, my feet were swollen, I had high blood pressure, I had mastitis, and I had shingles. But none of that mattered to me. As long as my son was okay, as long as I could be with him, that's all I cared about. So it just goes to show you, like, my body went through hell, but my husband would be like, you need to rest, you need to rest. We need to go back to the uh, Airbnb or the hotel, and you need to rest. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. I need to be with him. So my body went through hell. It's recovered (laughs) since. I'm doing well now. But just goes to show you what mothers, you know, the sacrifice that we make, the, it was nothing for me. And I know other moms would have felt the same way if they were in my position. It was, I mean, it was something, but it was nothing compared to what my son went through and I needed to be there for him. And that's all that mattered was that he was okay. I did make sure I got the care I needed, but again, was not complaining, just had to do what I had to do. So yeah, we are home now. He's doing well. Uh, we are following up with the cardiologist. He- He's healing very well. Our family is all together. Thankfully, we are blessed. I am officially a mom of three, <laughs> which has been crazy. Thankfully, my husband was able to take an extended leave for a few weeks. You know, we needed the extra help. So thankfully, he was able to take that time. But, you know, being parents of three kids, especially three young kids, is it's no walk in the park. I mean, not that we thought it was going to be a walk in the park, but um, I have to say during all this, we we knew that three would be rough and we 
were fully prepared that it was going to be rough. In fact, we were so fixated on the fact that it was going to be hard and that we were going to get no sleep. And that that's really all we could think about was, oh, this was going to be hard. So yes, we're excited and we're happy to have our third child, but we're also, we know what the life is going to be like. And so we're not, you know, at the time we weren't like super excited, but what a reality check for us, because when we were there, we just wanted him home and well, and we were like, who cares if it's going to be hard? We'll take the hard. We just want our baby home and healthy. So it was kind of like a check-in for us. Like, hey, you know, like, let's talk about what really matters here, right? And what really matters is having your family with you, having healthy children, doesn't matter how difficult they are. All that matters is they're healthy and well and with you, your family, your support system, the people around you. You know, we have Christmas coming up. It's not about what's under the tree. It's what who's around the tree with you, who's around the table with you, the amount of love you have in your life, the appreciation you have for the small things, because that's what matters in life, right? None of that other stuff matters. And we can complain because we have every right to complain as parents because it is hard. It's really, really hard. But when it comes down to it, it's the small things that that really matter. But yeah, being a mom of three, you know, I lose my shit. I've already lost my shit a few times. My husband has. I mean, you know, it's been an adjustment for everybody. I think our kids kind of have a little bit of a separation anxiety from us right now. Um because of being away and how unplanned it was. There's lack of sleep going on from many people in our household, <laughs> not just the baby and, and one of us. <laughs> there was a lot of us getting no sleep. But we are happy to to be home and together. And this is just kind of the season of this part of our lives. And um, yeah, so, I mean, it's rough it's it it's definitely rough but it's it's all good so i just wanted to share this story with you because again it really kind of checks you makes you realize what's important makes you realize the strength and resilience of our children the strength and resilience of us as parents and the love that we are surrounded by even when you don't realize that there's always somebody there who cares. You might not think people do, but they do. They do. They don't always show it, but in times of need, they will show it. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving and enjoying your holiday season. You have just listened to the Honest Soul Conversations podcast, and I can't thank you enough for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, feel free to share it with others who may be interested. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Honest Soul Co. That's H-O-N-E-S-T-S-O-L-C-O. And if one of our topics today spoke to you and you want to share your story or hear more on that topic or others, email us at HonestSoulCo at gmail.com. Again, that's H-O-N-E-S-T. S-O-L-C-O at gmail.com to connect. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again and see you next time for some more Honest Soul Conversations.